Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. I'm a life coach, well, actually a relationship coach and an MBTI practitioner. I've been doing this for about 15 years, and when I started out in the industry, I really wanted to help people improve their lives. I saw on television this thing called a life coach, and I thought, wow, that seems so much better than a a mental health professional. (laughs) It sounded more optimistic. So when I started out 15 years ago, I thought, you know, I really want to help people succeed in life. What it kept coming back to with all of my clients was relationships. They really wanted to have better relationships, not necessarily more, just better quality. So I thought, okay, yeah, relationships really are what life is about. Let's help them connect with people. That will be the foundation for their success in life. And the, the composition, really what relationships are about, there are three elements. There's you, and there's me, and there's us. What two people bring into a relationship completely separate from each other will be the foundation for what they create together. So my show today is going to be about building and strengthening relationships. Because we all have them, they're different kinds, but they are all vital to our personal happiness and success. Now today the show is going to be about how to truly give in a wonderful way. Right now we have just entered the Christmas season, the season of giving, right? The joy, spreading the joy and the sharing. Well, you know what, it's kind of ironic, but during this time of the year, People tend to feel more stressed out and more pressured in their daily lives simply because there is so much to do and it never seems to get done. And with the people now not even being able to be with each other the way that they did before, that's what gave them the energy and the happiness and the joy. With the coronavirus going on, the isolation is starting to affect us all in a very different way, emotionally and socially mentally our perspective about life and our daily life in general is starting to change but then also how we're going to relate to the people in our life now let's just say forget the fact that it's a religiously based holiday some people think it's pagan some people think it's christian let's just all come together to agree no matter what your religious philosophy all theologies can agree on one basic theme Give more than you take. It's very simple, and there's really not much dispute about that as a principle. There's never really anyone who will say you'll be a worse person when you're giving unless you're doing it in a certain way. We'll cover that today in the show, too. But think about the physical principles. When you're giving, if it's genuine, you will never run out. But remember this, quality is always more important than quantity in what you give. Unfortunately, the world that we live in, so many things now are about more, more, more. That could be a greater size and um, a food. It could be a larger number in the results, the yield, the product. The, the results really are about having more for less and then that adds another factor to it so when you're 
giving less and expecting more, something about your energy changes. What you are giving then starts to be of a lower quality because the inherent fundamental principle of more is based on greed. If you have high quality things in your life, including human interaction, including people and the relationships, you don't need to have excessive amounts of it. Like time, would you rather have 30 really great minutes with the person that you love or three hours of fighting with them? Or if you had a, an activity that you enjoy doing or a food that you enjoy eating, would you rather have more of hmm, not so good or less of, wow, that was amazing. How does your soul change when you have a truly good, high quality experience with people or with things? Well, think about this now. When you invest in people, when you give them high quality things, parts of yourself, experiences, gifts of sacrifice that you share with them and an experience to create a positive state of their life, the return on the investment is pretty fabulous in what they give back because they reciprocate. Not only are they grateful for what you have shared with them, what you have given to them, because it has made not only that experience, that particular part of their life better, it has carried over into who they are because it then extends to their thoughts and their feelings. They feel the need to give back. And that goes back again to that fundamental principle of there is more joy in giving than there is in receiving. When people actually have the choice to take something or to give something, if they are a healthy person, they will almost always choose to give because of the, the feeling that it creates, the positive energy that it generates inside of human beings. We're not like animals. We have a real drive to be together and to create relationships and to improve the connections in our relationships. I really like this, this account in the Bible about how everyone needed to give. They needed to contribute to a box, basically a, a donation. It was monetary. And people needed to make a, a donation because it was for a very good cause. It was for a spiritual cause. Well, there was an example. A whole lot of people giving a whole lot of money. It could be in, in a large quantity of money or it could be a very large um, denomination. It could be like a gold coin as opposed to one of copper or silver. Well, there was an example of a widow. A very, a very old poor lady, she dropped in two very small coins. They have very little value coins. And Jesus said, who, who gave the most out of all of these people, out of all of these donations? Who really gave the most? Well, you know, count the numbers. He gave this much. He gave that much. She gave it. She gave it. Well, you know what? 
That woman who gave two very little coins of very little value, maybe two pennies, we'll say, just for the sake of example and explanation of that someone gave in $500, how could two small coins of very little value be worth more than a higher monetary currency? Because she, out of her heart, gave everything she had. That meant two things. First of all, it meant a lot to her in an amount because it was pretty much relative to what she had. It was everything. But the most important factor was she gave out of sincerity, genuine generosity. That meant that what it was as quality was of a higher value, which completely nullified it, it neutralized the quantity of what it was on paper. So what we're going to be talking about today is how to make what we have very, very, very high quality and to think about when we're interacting with people, how we can give in a beautiful and generous way. That's going to, re that's going to involve recognizing, first of all, what things people actually need and then being responsive to those needs and then making sure that when we do respond to people's needs, we do it in a very heartfelt and sincere and selfless, generous way. We're going to go ahead and take a, a quick break and when we come back, opening up the lines to the listeners, if anyone has a thought or a question that they would like to ask or express, the number to the station is 888-627-6008. Today, the show is about how to give in a wonderful way. Think you know yourself? Have you ever had your personality profiled? What's your MBTI? The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is a very popular personality profile system, and it's accepted around the world, used by many accredited and professional companies and institutions. But the problem, what if you're both of the options that you're being offered in the question? Or what if you've changed over the years? Or what if you're just not sure? Does it even really matter? Well, when you want to know the difference between a mental illness and just a strange behavior, then knowing your personality can be very helpful. It will help you to know if you do need a mental health professional or pharmaceutical intervention. When you take a personality profile test, you need to ask yourself, not if you do that activity being described or asked, but the three things about yourself while you're doing it. Number one, is it naturally so easy for you to do it that it's automatic for you? Number two, is it so naturally enjoyable for you to do that you do it for seemingly no reason? And number three, are you so naturally good at it that you don't even need to practice in order to do it well? Those are the indications of your nature, your personality, not your nurture, that have made you good at doing those things. During these challenging times, while a lot of people are considering a career change, I'm offering an 80% discount on my MBTI package. That includes six things. Number one, 
the MBTI test with over 200 questions. Number two, your four-letter personality description. Number three, an explanation of your disposition. Number four, a detailed breakdown of your functional order. Number five, tips and suggestions on how to be more successful in life based on your true nature. And six, a one-hour coaching session to answer any and all of your personality questions. This package usually costs $500, but for the rest of the year, it's only $99 to my listeners. Take advantage of the opportunity to learn more about your true nature. Just go to www.infinitylifecoaching.com services and you'll see the sale going on now. The $99 price will go on through to the end of 2020. Discover your true nature today. Welcome back to yours, mine, and ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and today we're talking about true generosity, really giving to people in a high-quality way. Right now, we're at a time of the year where people really do want to be generous. They really do want to be good to others, and they want to make others' experiences better quality. But with the coronavirus going on right now, we're very isolated from each other, and that can be tough. It can be tough for everybody because we want to be with people, but at the same time, we don't want to get them sick, (laughs) potentially getting problems, causing problems for them. But you know what? It also really comes down to sometimes being healthy is about taking care of ourselves. Well, sometimes it's about taking care of other people. When we know that what we're doing for people is going to be a high quality experience and it's good for their health, sometimes making their their immune system better with a good experience can be worth more than even a, a pill or an immunization. I really like how the the plight of a woman, especially since we do have a nature to give to people the struggle that we have. There's an expression that says, a man works from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. We have an amazing ability to multitask. We can do several things at once. And when we have a very long to-do list, especially at a time of the year like this, we want to make sure that everything we're doing is good, important work. And the, the things that we're doing are making the world a better place. So that kind of creates a conundrum. What really are the needs of the people in our lives? What are our needs? And that's all people, not just women. So let's talk about as we're giving, what giving is truly about. And I'll give the number to the station again one more time in case anyone, any of our listeners would like to call in and ask a question. That's 888 627 6008. Okay, so let's talk about real genuine human needs. Okay, like physical needs. What is truly vital to our physical existence? Well, we can all agree food, clothing, and shelter, warmth, and safety. 
These are basic things. We do have emotional and mental needs as well, but physically, when it really comes down to it, what do we have in our daily life, in our lifestyle now, that's actually not necessary? It's not vital to our survival. Well, material abundance, monetary excess. We don't need millions of dollars to, to live a relatively happy, happy life, a successful life in our personal existence, material abundance, having excessive amounts of things really don't create genuine happiness. In fact, sometimes having a lot of things and a lot of money can actually cause stress. So when we're talking about getting spiritual, getting centered, getting healthy within ourselves and helping to create that for others, we need to think about we have the opportunity to really look at ourselves, take an inventory of our life. What is wealth? What do you define wealth as? Well, wealth is not monetary and abundance is not material. A lot of people simply don't know that because we live in a society that perpetuates a myth that more is better. Bigger is better. Let's have more for less and me first. But as humans, this is actually diametrically opposed to the principles of spirituality, the way we were created, because we're only 10% physical. We're about 50% emotional and 40% mental. All of these things feed off of each other. And spirituality is about manifesting the harmony of these three elements. 100% of you, the physical and emotional and the mental, is your soul. You are not going to be spiritual until you are functioning at 100%, not at perfection, but at 100% of all three elements of your soul. The heart and mind are symbiotic, and the true source of our physical experiences is from what those two elements create. The quality of a physical experience is an indication of a person's mental and emotional condition. How we feel when we're having a physical experience is the only thing that really matters. It can be a great experience, but if we're unhappy while we're doing it, it's really not anything to be impressive or to be impressed by. Peace and happiness and joy are what help you to not need an abundance of physical things because you're not trying to fill a hole in your soul. Knowing that your truly valuable emotional and mental experiences are what will create sufficient sustenance removes your fear and anxiety about survival. There's no need to worry about food, clothing, and shelter because when you are in a high quality emotional and mental state, those things manifest themselves in your life. And then that comes back to unselfishness as a fundamental principle or the basis for spirituality. That means we don't need to hoard and we don't need to accumulate excess. Be ready to completely let go and walk away from everything you currently possess and are presently saving at any moment. If someone came to you and said, you need to let all of that go now and come with me for something better, how comfortable would you be? How ready would you be in that state of mind to be able to truly surrender? Surrender is the basis for generosity. Okay, so now let's move on to the second one. The second element is human feelings and an emotional. Okay, now 
This is really important because human anxiety and fear and anger, even joy, all of those things are what make us human. Again, we're not quite like animals. <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting. The other day I had an experience on uh, a professional website that I, I frequently check up and what's going on and extend my business and extend my connections. Before I would have been amused at this, maybe even entertained, but it's actually starting to get pretty bad. People's greed is just turning them stupid, in my opinion. And as an INTP, that breaks my heart. Now listen to this. I was invited to connect by a man who supposedly helps coaches like me get more clients. I was very interested in what he was offering. So yeah, I wanted to talk. Now keep in mind, I am a salesman at heart, so I'm generally not interested in talking to other salesmen because I know what they're about. <laughs> but right now, my company is evolving into something bigger and my practice is expanding into something different and better. So I'm willing to put out some feelers, you know, for connections where I might not have been before. Part of his success is procuring clients like me in a sales pitch, of course, but it's also a few personal messages and an invitation to participate in the discussion group. Yeah, okay, well, I like that. So over the last nine hours, I've been going to the discussion, responding to his private messages because you say one thing and it takes 45 minutes for them to respond. Okay, that's a little irritating sometimes. But as it became interesting, I repeated again that I wanted to talk to him, talk, you know, like with my voice, <laughs> with my mouth, not type. I didn't want more texting or emails because my time is important. He actually spent 45 minutes messaging me back and forth that he doesn't want to waste his time talking to people who aren't, quote, worth it, unquote. I, I'm sorry, I have to prove to him that I'm not going to be a bad investment for him before he can justify giving me personal human interaction. Okay, now I'm not going to hold that against him per se yet, okay, because I've wasted a lot of time on some pretty trashy people on this website, and I can admit that I've made mistakes interacting with people who were less than ideal, okay? But here's what makes it sad for me. He's willing to argue with me in a message for 45 minutes about why he doesn't want to waste his time talking to me in a five-minute phone call because somehow the exact same words that would have only taken him five minutes to speak with his voice to me are somehow less valuable when they're expressed with a technical device or they're, they're less important because, you know, they're just, they're just words on a page, I guess. Okay, I don't know. It's some kind of concession, almost a surrender on his part to give me his personal time verbally over the phone that I have to deserve first. <laughs> Sweetheart, you're giving me your time right now, telling me you're not going to be forced into giving me your time. And yes, actually, I am worth it. If you don't want to give me the chance to show you that I'm worth it, that's fine. But on some level, you already do think I'm worth it or you wouldn't be arguing with me right in this stupid banter. Okay. I, I sincerely hope that soon people realize they're actually doing themselves and the people in their lives a genuine disservice when they won't just pick up the phone and dial because they're actually telling people that they're not important and that creates pain in their life, in their heart. How important is it for us to say, your feelings do matter to me, your soul does matter to me and I'm willing to make time for you, to be with you. 
when we're interacting with each other, taking into consideration people's joy and their fear and their anger and their anxiety to actually say to them, I want to make your life better when I interact with you. That means I'm going to be thinking about you. Okay, which brings us to another element, human thoughts. Thoughts are the source of our feelings. So creating positive emotions also involves preventing destructive emotions. That means no manipulation and no abuse because we all know that the things that we say and the things that we do can cause a lot of feelings inside of people. They can cause a lot of reaction inside of people. And everything that we say and do really is going to have an effect. There is no such thing as neutral. Things are either good or bad when we do them. And I, I like this experience I had. I walked into my 21-year-old son's room while he was still asleep. Well, he was half asleep. I love talking to people when they're not fully aware of what they're saying. <laughs> it's really fun. I do it with my husband sometimes. We've had some of our best conversations when he wasn't really aware of what he was saying. Okay. So as I said to my son, as I was whispering, right, <laughs> happened his ear. I said, if you loved me, you know what you would do? He just rolled over and sighed. <laughs> I knew he was aware enough to respond to him. So I said in a little bit louder, I said, hey, Nick, when a woman begins a conversation with the words, if you loved me, you know what you do? What do you immediately know? His response, <laughs> almost growling to me, you know it's a loaded conversation. <laughs> and I laughed out loud and kissed him. Beautiful. That's exactly right. If you loved me. Yeah, women absolutely have the men who love them in the palm of their hand or something else in their hand that I won't say on a professional radio show. When they use that four word weapon of mass destruction. Why? Because men do care very much about women and they do love them and they want very much to make them happy, even if they'll deny it in front of their friends. <laughs> and even if they're, they're afraid of the damage that a woman can do to them internally, externally. I say this oftentimes, even God thinks it's better to sleep on the corner of a roof than in a warm home with a woman looking for a fight. In business, I know that about 75% of the deals I've made with men have been because I'm good looking and charismatic. Is that right? Well, maybe, maybe not, but it's a fact. I know that about 50% of the male friends that I have are really kind of only my friends because they're hoping for something else someday. They're never going to get it, but they're having fun hoping. I know <clears throat> that it's very important for people to have their thoughts taken care of and considered. Manipulation is really, really selfish and it's really destructive when we have conversations with people when we say to them i'm willing to listen to you and i don't have any ulterior motive i genuinely want to make your life better and i know that when i do that when i give to you in a generous and genuine way that's going to make my life better too now this is the key human desires healthy and unhealthy. The challenge is to determine what's actually good for you and what's actually bad. That takes standards and discipline. Now there's the, the formula I say, like for example, when you're talking about 
putting the mask on yourself. Well, how can you say that you're unselfish, that you genuinely care about others more than yourself, right? There's more joy in giving. But if you have to put the mask on yourself first, well, isn't that contradictory? How can you care more about others and take care of yourself first? Well, here's what it comes down to. Ladies and gentlemen, the more joy in giving formula is about needs versus desires. This is the order. Out of the four different things, our own needs, our own desires, others' needs, and others' desires, those four things, here's the order it goes in. Taking care of ourself in our needs, taking care of our needs first, then taking care of others' needs, then taking care of others' desires, then our own desires. So repeat that, okay? Let's do that again. Our own needs, then others' needs, then others' desires, then our desires. Okay, now the struggle with that is learning how to discern what qualifies as a desire and what is actually a need. When you are not in a good condition, what you're doing is toxic. So that's why it's important to get yourself into a good condition. That means you need to take care of your needs enough to get yourself into a high quality state. There is no neutral. When you are doing things with and to and for and around others, the experience that you're creating with your generosity for them is only going to be based on the quality of what you're giving them. Again, that goes back to it's not about quantity. It's more important to take care of yourself to get the quality of your soul better so that when you come back to them, even if you're giving them a small quantity, what you're giving them to take care of their needs is very high quality. Now, that also means you need to learn how to discern what is a need and what is simply a desire for them and for you. Now, the important thing to remember there is that personality has a lot to do with it. What one person, based on nothing more than their personal nature, their disposition, what could be good, very healthy for them, could actually be very destructive for someone else. And keeping in mind that the quality of their heart and mind at the time that you're interacting with them, you may need to take care of a need that they have more than the desire. So we're going to go ahead and take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk very specifically in great detail about how to help other people become higher quality souls, not just placating them and facilitating what might be very destructive desires, by giving them what they want, but truly discerning what they need, being able to give them what they need, and only when you are in a high-quality state first. My name is Gabrielle Cardona. This is yours, mine, and ours. Wouldn't it be great if there was an instruction manual on how to succeed in life? Or the formula on how to find someone who's right for you? Or the ingredients on 
how to just be happy with your life. Well, I decided after I'd been coaching for a few years that it was time to just put it all on paper. The things that I was doing with and for my clients that helped them was great. Each session, I could see the fulfillment that my clients were experiencing. It became a coaching program. I made it a workbook. It came with my service. But coaching one person at a time was pretty slow, and not everyone could afford my hourly rate. So at least giving everyone access to the information was a good idea, right? And I didn't need to be with someone in order to provide them the information, did I? So just one project per chapter, these activities helped people implement what they'd just learned. And I'd had several people suggest that I turn it into an audiobook. Apparently, people wanted to listen to the information while they were multitasking. So I did. And now most people just want the MP3. But with the coronavirus taking over the world, a lot of people are thinking about changing their life. But they don't want a coach. So I'm offering my workbook to my listeners as an ebook with the MP3 included for just $29.99. That's an 80% discount off the original price, what I started selling it for two years ago to clients and colleagues. Just go to www.infinitylifecoaching.com and get your life coaching workbook for just $29.99 today. Infinity Coaching. The possibilities are infinite. Welcome back to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, MBTI practitioner and relationship coach. Any of our listeners who want to call in and ask a question or make a comment, the number to this station is 888-627-6008. And the show today is about giving, truly generously giving, high-quality gifts to the people that we love. That can even be people we don't even know, people we don't like. The people that come into our lives need good quality interaction. They need generous giving from a sincere heart. The only way that we can truly give high quality gifts to the people in our lives is if we are first in a high quality state. Now, I like to use the example of dancing because I started dancing when I was a very little girl. I took my first ballet class when I was four years old. It is a lot of work and you don't even look very good doing it at the age of four. (laughs) It's not impressive doing the steps that you spent a whole year practicing in class at the age of four. Okay, I realized over the years that I was going to do a lot of work but not really look good for a long time. It added up to about five years. The first talent show I was in, the first performance at the end of the year that I worked every year, all year. Every Yeah, I was about nine when I think I, I looked pretty good. And people came up to me and said, wow, you look different this year. You've been practicing, haven't you? Well, oh, yes, I've been practicing for five years. You're just seeing it now <laughs> because it's starting to look good. Why it took so long, I don't know. But it, I really did start to look beautiful about five years later. Okay, so that's a lot of work with a lot of delayed gratification. Now think about that. If I was 14 years old, what did my body look like? Well, you know, a teenage girl goes through a lot of changes, but yes, my shape was changing 
and with my confidence and that strength. Yeah, you have to be strong using muscles that you don't use in daily life. But you also have to be flexible, moving your body in ways that are not natural or comfortable. And you have to be focused, keeping your eyes and mind in a very specific place as you move your body through the music. But the hardest part, you have to be centered. Now, I did think it was a bit odd that my teacher never used the word balanced because you have to know how to stay balanced if you're going to be able to get up on your toes and spin around and kick your legs around while you're on your toes. Why did she always say centered instead of balanced? And why did people always call ballet a discipline? Was, was my teacher going to hit me or punish me when I didn't do things right? Why would she call it a discipline? Okay, well, then I learned that discipline is not the same as punishment. In fact, if you're going to be punished, being hurt or humiliated by someone, it's because they don't have true discipline and they don't know what it is. But more importantly, I learned that while balance is about successfully managing the world and things externally around you, being centered is about successfully managing yourself and the world inside of you. There's a whole nother world going on inside of you that people don't see. Oh, let me think about that for a minute as a teenage girl. A girl's body is constantly changing as she grows up almost daily and her thoughts and feelings and focus constantly change as she goes through childhood and puberty and young womanhood. Dancing demands that she not only be able to maintain the core of her body perfectly still in one place while her arms and legs are constantly moving around her, but she also has to constantly know where the center of her weight, where that core of her body is while she's moving. She's also moving her head and back and hips in the opposite direction of her arms and legs. But she has to not be distracted by any of those things that her body is doing as she's doing those things mentally. She has to stay focused in the same place. Okay, so being aware of everything happening inside of her while she's focused on what's going on around her, she forces herself to move in a challenging way, but still has to be graceful and sensual and beautiful. That is a discipline. And having that kind of discipline means that you're feminine and confident and gorgeous as a woman. I soon learned that such a principle applies to everything in life. That's in work, that's relationships, that's health, that's with money, staying centered, staying focused, staying balanced, being aware of where you are inside of yourself while you're doing things in life. Some people like to call that mindful. Some people call it conscientious. I call it disciplined. So when we're talking about success, the different things in life, when we want to be successful, we want to help create and facilitate success for other people. Sometimes the people in our lives are having a hard time because they lose focus. If we have someone in our life who really does need help from us to be a better person, we can help them get their focus back by giving them things like milestones and rewards. It's very important to remember that when we have experiences with people, when they're having experiences around us, they're distracted by a lot of different things. So 
the way that we can help them stay focused is not only giving them the suggestions or the encouragement, but it's also giving them a reward when they're done. Well, but what kind of milestones, what kind of rewards? If we say to them, yeah, you know what? We're, we're doing something good here. You're doing something good here. I'm giving you some reward for what you've done. There are some standards that have to be maintained in order for the reward that you're giving them to truly be rewarding and not undermine the progress that they've made. A milestone is something that you create as a sort of encouragement along the way, a confirmation that you're making progress. Some things that would be, you know, an example of a a reward would be um, a food that you like or a song, music that you like to listen to. The The reward has to be satisfying and gratifying without undermining the work that was just done. It has to be good enough to feel good, but not bad enough to (laughs) completely cancel out the work that you just did. That's very nice. When someone in our life, someone that we love says to us, not only do I see what you've done, but I approve of it. I'm impressed by it. I like it enough. I actually think you deserve a reward for this. Sometimes people aren't going to be rewarding of themselves because they're critical or they're judgmental. They don't necessarily think that what they did was that important or that impressive. Okay, well, when they hear it from someone like us, verbally saying it to them and then confirming our words with the actual substantive experience of giving them that reward, that could be even just spending quality time with them, going out to a movie with them, going to have a drink in an establishment. Oh, sorry, can't do that with coronavirus. Okay, well, how about (laughs) massaging someone's shoulders? Yeah, that's really nice. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time, but it's pretty powerful. Okay, well, sometimes people just feel alone in life. And we need to be some kind of support system to remind them that, you know what, we're not, we're not going to do anything. We don't expect them to do anything. We're just going to make sure they know that we are here. There's different kinds of support that people need. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's mental. Sometimes it's moral support. It's very important to know what kind of support the person needs. Do you know, really, even if they're not saying anything, that someone is, you know what, they're feeling kind of bad. They're feeling kind of lonely. People don't always want people to know that. But if we're paying attention to others and really responsive and really receptive when we're interacting with them, we can pick up on clues. And I know another really great thing is if you know that there's someone who needs a kind of support, like, you know what, moral support. And you're not necessarily the person with a whole lot of resources in that department. Well, you might know someone who does. You might know someone who is very supportive in that way. You can tell someone else. This person really does need what you are amazingly good at. You might want to pursue them. Well, you know what? People who have the opportunity to give would love the opportunity to give, especially when you're telling that person what you have to give is invaluable. It's so wonderful. And you 
doing what you naturally, truly are in your generosity is going to make their life better. That is very motivational to people. So keeping yourself aware of what other people need in the way of a support system. Okay, well, sometimes people have very destructive thoughts. And sometimes you're pretty aware of what they're thinking. <laughs> sometimes you're not. Well, one of the things I like to help my clients with when they have negative thoughts is affirmations. The definition of an affirmation to affirm something is to state it as a fact, to assert it strongly and publicly. When you affirm something, whether it's a thought or a feeling or belief, you are restating it as a fact. And you're saying that something is an absolute truth out loud with force and confidence. A lot of professionals in the, professionals in the mental health industry use it as a form of self-brainwashing because studies have shown that when people hear words coming out of their own mouth, they have a profound and lasting effect. Others' words are also very influential. But obviously, a person's own words have an even stronger result. <clears throat> so, rules for making an affirmation effective. When you're telling someone something that they're, hmm, well, I think it might be true, but I'm really not sure. When you have the positive reinforcement with your positive words, always make a statement uh, in the present and indicative sense. You are this thing. You do this thing, and I appreciate it. Also, keep it short and simple. You don't have to be long and wordy. You don't have to be detailed or complex involved. It really can be something brief and direct. And it should also be a highly complimentary statement about wonderful things, high quality and valuable things. And make sure that when you say positive things to people, it's very important that it be out of nowhere. If people think that when you're saying something, you're only saying it because, well, if you don't say it, you're kind of a jerk. Well, you know what? Then just say things. Say great things when people least expect it. What that's going to do is take them out of their current mindset of negativity and just the, the shock of it would make them go, wait a minute, what, what did you just say? And when you look at them, look directly into their eyes. And you don't have to take any kind of dramatic action. Be still and maintain eye contact. When you say something true and wonderful about the person and you say it in a heartfelt way, they're going to feel that. That interaction is what's most important. And guess what, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, even with the mask on our face, Eye contact can still happen during this time of the coronavirus. And even six feet away, if you're looking directly into someone's eyes and you're saying something fabulous to them, you have just improved the quality of their soul. It didn't have to be a high quantity of time interaction. If you have people in your life that you know are going to struggle with negative thinking, your words are extremely powerful. The next thing we can do for people, sometimes they just have low energy. You know what? Sometimes the lifestyle that we have, if they have low energy, you can give them a shot in the arm. Sometimes people just need a shot in the arm <laughs> to get their energy back up, to get through the day. 
just make it through the day in the activities that we have to do. A shot in the arm is something that people inject when they need energy and strength to keep going. It has an immediate effect because it goes directly into the bloodstream. And it's very helpful to have it when you're struggling and you need help just to continue going. In the process of working to become a better person, people inevitably have internal and external challenges that drain them. They demand energy, which could be mental or emotional or physical and their own personal struggles and issues can take a lot of work to manage. So a physical environment can be overwhelming if they're in less than ideal conditions. That's becoming more and more common as well. And different social situations can manifest other people's personal issues, okay? (laughs) Not everyone's equipped to to effectively handle, manage, deal with. You know what? That's not really our, our problem. That's not my problem. Why are you putting that on me? Well, because that's just the way people are. So taking care of people in our life in a healthy way is going to help you take your focus and help them take their focus and put it into an energy creating place, the positive energy. Now, activities that give people a shot in the arm that can say, yeah, I not only have more energy, but my perspective is more positive because I've just created positive energy in my life. These are some rules. I have rules that I I give people. When you're doing something to re-energize or you're giving someone else a shot in the arm as a positive experience, I have, let me see, how are they? 10 rules, I think. Okay, number one, keep any objects that will be used for this particular activity in a place or circumstance where they can have immediate access to those objects, any activities that they're going to be doing that would require a specific device that it needs to be immediately accessible. Number two, don't use any activity or object more than twice per day, okay? Number three, don't spend more than 10 minutes doing any shot-in-the-arm activity unless it was pre-scheduled as part of the activity itself. Number four, don't spend more than 50% of your hourly pay rate to purchase anything needed for the activity. If you do spend more than half of your hourly rate, it no longer qualifies as this level of activity. This is no longer a shot in the arm activity. This is now a reward for your behavior activity, which was the first one, landmarks and rewards. That needs to be very, very specified when you're talking about this particular activity. Okay. Number five, do not place any demand or pressure on any other people without their prior knowledge and consent because they need to feel prepared if you're going to ask for their participation, someone other than yours and the person that you're trying to support. Number six, do not consume more than the equivalency of 10% of your daily total daily caloric intake. Know what you should be consuming healthfully. And the person that you're helping should be consuming healthfully in a good lifestyle. Don't make what you're doing for them as a shot in the arm more than 10% of their daily caloric intake because you would be undermining their actual health. Number seven, they must be powerful and effective enough activities to improve the overall, be it emotional or mental or physical, condition by at least 33% when you're done. Okay, so think about that now. When you're talking about the activity, you need to predetermine if the improvement that will occur as a result of this activity will be at least 33%. Okay, and number eight, predetermined 
specific activities corresponding to specific circumstances. So you'll know what, what the activity is going to be relative to the situation, the, the feeling of that particular moment. So there's not thought in the moment necessary in order to select what you're going to be doing with that person. And that person also needs to know, yeah, actually, I'm doing this particular thing for this specific reason. Number nine, you must completely mentally and separate emotionally, detach from anything negative in the environment while you're doing a shot in the arm activity. So you will be able to be fully engrossed in the positive activity that you're doing. Okay. And finally, number 10, you need to immediately deal with an issue or problem that generated a need for a shot in the arm to begin with when you're done. When you have that restoration of positive energy and good mental attitude. Okay, why did we need this in the first place? Let's go ahead and actually fix the problem. Because now that we're in a better state, a better quality state, we can do better quality things. And most importantly now, negative emotions. Leveraging anger and fear and anxiety. Know that anything going on that in your life, in someone else's life, that's creating a negative reaction emotion for them, yeah, those are important things. Believe it or not, anger is a good thing because it's an indication that our body is giving us that something wrong has happened. Okay, our body creates a whole lot of experience to tell us, you know what, this really shouldn't have happened and I'm going to make you feel intensely negative until you deal with what happened and you need to do it Okay, anger is a good thing because it's our body's way of saying, you need to fix a problem right now. Okay, well, fear. You know what? Fear is our way of bodies telling us that something bad is in the process of happening. It's a totally different experience than anger because it's almost like the self-preservation. I'm letting you know that you're in a dangerous situation here. You need to get out of this situation. Or anxiety. When humans experience anxiety, it's our heart and body and mind's way of saying, you're in the middle of something that could potentially turn in to something bad. It's not happening yet, but it could eventually happen. So it's good to know these things. So when you have, or someone you love, someone you know is having a negative emotion, it's very important to give the support to the person in that moment of let's figure out what actually caused this feeling and have activities that will diffuse the feeling but then be there to give them the support that they need to address the source, the cause of the negative emotion. We have the ability to do and be great things for people in our lives. When we are quality souls taking care of ourselves, that means all of the things that I've just listed can be a result of, yeah, something that's going on in our life. We need to take care of ourselves and Again, it comes back to take care of yourself first in order to be in a high quality state. Then take care of others' needs to get them into a high quality state. And always remember the rules of there's more joy in giving than there is in receiving means that when you are going to give to someone, 
It needs to be to the other person first when it's about desires. Yeah, always put someone else's desires before your desires because that will keep you in the mindset of unselfishness. Just beware, be aware, right, actually, of what is a desire and what's a genuine need. When it comes to our relationships, we can be good quality people. And you know what? I've noticed lately that a very popular trend has developed in the contemporary United States. People apologize in a very backhanded way. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stop doing this. How about this, this, oh, I'm sorry, you have a problem. Or, I'm sorry, you can't handle the truth. Uh, I'm sorry, you're too stupid to know the difference. Or, I'm sorry, you're so pathetic. Has anyone else noticed that? When you apologize, you're actually addressing two different issues. First, you're acknowledging that what you've said or done is wrong and you regret doing it or saying it. But you're also recognizing that that thing that you've just said or done has hurt someone else. Their feelings are a totally separate subject from your regret. So what if you only regret one of those things? What if you regret what you've done because you know that it was the wrong thing to do, but you don't really care about the pain that it caused that person? Maybe because you think that certain individual deserves to suffer? Or what if you don't really think that what you've done is really wrong, but you actually do care about their pain and you feel bad that you made them hurt? Is there ways to one acknowledge and address the one without necessarily including the other? Because they're not always the same, right? Well, let me just give people some, some key advice. When I got married, I realized that my husband would apologize for things that he really didn't regret. He just didn't want to have to deal with an upset wife. So I decided that I would give him a marital get-out-of-jail-free card. Maybe we could do this with our friends, family, even strangers. It was a four-word phrase. I'm sorry once removed. I'm sorry once removed. Okay, the translation actually is... I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. <laughs> okay, it was my way of letting my husband say, I really do care about your suffering because I love you so much, but we're going to have to agree to disagree about the morality of my actions because I don't think that what I did was wrong. <laughs> you know what? It actually helped us to remain honest with each other because it was his opportunity to say, honey, I love you more than anything, and what you feel matters very much to me. But I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I think that what I did was wrong because I think you deserve better than that. What would happen if you allowed people in your life to have a get-out-of-jail-free card? It encourages forgiveness and tolerance and encourages people to stop thinking so much about themselves. Try it out this week with someone you love and trust and respect. See what happens. Taking care of others in a true season of giving, in a genuine spirit of generosity, that's going to make yours, mine, and ours better. I'm Gabrielle Cardona. Thank you so much for listening this week. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. This is yours, mine, and ours.